and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 99. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're discussing Next Gen's sixth season episodes, Aquayel, Face of the Enemy, and Tapestry. Here we go. Aquiel, Season 6, Episode 13, Production Number 239, Original Air Date, February 1st, 1993, Directed by Cliff Bowl, Story by Jerry Taylor, Teleplay by Brandon Braga and Ronald D. Moore, Music Composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Renee Jones as Aquiel Unari, Wayne Grace as Torok, Reg E. Cathy as Morag, and Majel Barrett as Computer Voice. <laughs> The Enterprise arrives at a remote subspace relay station near the Klingon border, and Riker, Geordi, and Beverly encounter a stray dog and evidence of what appears to be the remains of Aquiel Unari, a Starfleet lieutenant. While surveying the station, Beverly and Riker suspect that Aquiel and missing Lieutenant Rocha may have been the victims of a Klingon attack. Meanwhile, Geordi must watch Aquiel's personal logs to learn any clues to the missing crewman. The letter said I had become belligerent and insubordinate. He was going to ask for a formal hearing. Geordi, I know how this looks. Yeah, it looks bad. I find out that you've erased a letter that contained a possible motivation for murder. I didn't kill him. Then explain this. Aquiel. What? Now, if Aquiel... And Jordy are making mind love. Mm-hmm. And Riker comes in and stops them. What do you call that? What's a mind block? I think it's a mind block. Yeah, that works. <laughs> you know, this is funny, this episode. Everybody remembers this episode as being so crappy. Um, I don't think it starts off that way. I actually enjoy it as a mystery for a while. Am I nutty? Because I, I mean, I really couldn't find anybody that thought this episode was worth two cents or five minutes. No, I don't think it's that bad. Yeah, I'll, I, I'll, I'll tell you. I, I can back this up because so I, um, my my wife watches some of them with me. Not necessarily one each time. Maybe all of them. Maybe none. But I just want to point out that may be the first time. <laughs> 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 Steve has said my wife. That's right. I'm sorry. Proceed. <laughs> well, this was not one of them. This was not, this was not the time. <laughs> now she she just happened to arrive and be in the room. So oh, I'll sit down and watch this. And I said, okay, well, it's not the best. So it's getting going. And she said, you know, I kind of like a mystery. And it's like, well, that's great, but I know how this ends. I know how this ends. That, that's, what, <laughs> that's what really clinches it for me, really. It, yeah. It's just, it was the dog. I mean, that, that's the, that to me the, the biggest problem, you know. Oh. That, yeah, if, if, if you're not lost before that, I mean, it's the dog. It's <laughs> the dog. And it's and then Not the dog turns into like a big pile of dog poo or something <laughs> and attacks him. I don't understand that. It, well, it, looks, it looks like a very rudimentary shapeshifter. Uh-huh. <laughs> Shapeshifting into dog poo. <laughs> yeah, no. Mm. Um, I mean, it has some other problems when they actually... I'm not sure they have a lot of chemistry. I think I think the girl that plays Aquiel is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I love LeVar. I'm not sure they had a lot of chemistry. It wasn't awful, but it doesn't feel quite right. And when they go to kiss and like his visor's pushing up against his face, moving around and getting in the way, and it's so awkward and, and it just feels so like... Well, I think that's been a problem with Jordy. Every time they try to um, introduce a love interest for him, it feels so forced. It's, it's, well, they, were, it's never... 
never successful, right? I mean, was there? Yeah, any- I mean, because it's forced. It never really feels natural. It's just like you know, Jordy kind of you know every one of the girls that he's been involved with in the show. He's like he's got to like save them or protect them. You know, yeah. I mean, it's just well, Brahms. I think you know she hadn't been in a relationship already. Maybe they had an interesting vibe together. I, I don't know. No, but you know, it's funny. So many of the characters. Whoops. Uh, so many of the characters in this show. You know, the reason we see so many Picard episodes and Data episodes and stuff, it's I think it's clearer who those characters are, and maybe you know, and we've talked many times about some of these secondary characters. They tend to not get the best episodes, um, but heck, the next episode we're going to talk about, Phase of the Enemy, that's a Troy episode, a Troy kind of in a fish out of water episode, so Troy not being getting you know in it your usual self, and, and I think I'm, I'm going to make the argument, and I think you guys are probably going to agree that that episode uh, predominantly works, and works well. Um, well so well, there's an example, though, of, of a secondary, not secondary, you know what I'm saying, not Ricardo data, basically, working out, and God, the vast majority of the Geordie episodes never do. Well, with Troy, I mean, I think we could all agree, like, you know, you know, the first three to four years, easily, you know, they didn't really know what they were doing with her. But, I mean, especially these last two seasons, all of her episodes are really good. They kind of, they find a niche for her, and um, the episodes really work. I mean, even the one, the last Troy episode that we saw where, you know, where she was influenced by that psychic. I mean, it wasn't a good episode, but she really pulled it off. Um but yeah, I'd agree with you. Like, um, it's sometimes it's kind of hard to fit everybody in. But to me, that's around the time that it starts to kind of fall apart. Mm-hmm. Is it's 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 that far into the episode? It's it's when they when they're actually when they actually kiss. You know, when it gets to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, when he gets mind blocked, and <laughs> when uh, the pile of dog poop attacks him. You know, that's where it falls apart. So. That's pretty far into the episode where I'm actually kind of interested in, and want to know the results of this mystery. Now, I don't remember. It was more in Braga wrote this one, right? You know, I think one of them maybe it was more kind of t- I've read him talking about they always had a hard time with mysteries because the, their technology is so good that they have to go so far out of their way to explain a way that their technology isn't able to just immediately solve the crime, you know? Right, right. There's some there's certainly some logic to that, but I don't think anybody looks at that problem and says, well, the solution is to make the dog do it. <laughs> you know. I think, um, you know, I kind of agree with you, Brian. Like, I, I like kind of like the mystery aspect of this episode. It kind of starts, it almost kind of starts off CSI-ish almost. You know, you have this Well, that dog, bone, that dog bone is so far from the future. It's really yeah. cool. <laughs> Um, but it's kind of, um, it also, this episode shows its age. It's very kind of slow and plodding along. So, um, um, I, don't, I just don't think it, it, it doesn't hold up in modern times the way I miss well, the it. Whole, the Laura thing I think is really cool. To me, it's a big twist when, when Aquiel shows up, the Klingons bring her on there because you, you do think, okay, she's dead and we're only going to see her as this video diary thing. And, and in the way that, Jordy is learning about her and feeling something for her just by seeing her as this dead person on these logs and the way he tells Riker about her. That's all pretty interesting and I'm really I'm I'm into it. It got me. So maybe it's not the fastest thing, but I'm not thinking this sucks by any stretch of the imagination at that stage. You know, I'm I'm into the mystery. And I'm and I believe what's going on. 
I'm, I'm gonna have to say, yeah, I like this episode better than I thought it was gonna like it. Um, I watched, I actually watched Face of the Enemy first, and then I watched watched Aquil and Tapestry because I usually watch one and then two back to back, and I didn't want to watch Aquil. I, I, I don't know if I'm, if I'm just watching one episode, I like to pick the best episode to watch. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, but when I watched it um, last night, I was like, you know, it's not that bad. It's not as bad as I remember. It's it, like, it's, you know, I think it's a pretty good mystery, and it's um. It's got some stuff. I kind of felt like they used Riker as kind of like a sub-villain in this episode. He's kind of jerky. Yeah, the drama between him and Jordy was a little forced. Didn't, didn't quite seem like their normal uh, repartee to me. Um, didn't seem like their, their normal level of empathy with one another. But, and, I mean, it, it's okay. Uh, you know... It, I even I even like like Lavar. There's that scene when he gets really upset with her, Aquiel, because he realizes she had messed with the um, uh, Ro. What's his name? Roach. Roach's um, logs. Oh, Rocha. Logs. Roach's logs. You know, and he's really upset, and he's almost shouting at her. You know, explain this. You know, and I think it. I I think it works, and I think that he's a good actor. You know, but. Um, the dog did it. I don't know. There's just yeah. <laughs> and that. I, it's funny that that scene where that Crusher's hand uh, comes out of the red goo. Mm-hmm. It's one of those scenes I remember because of the card game, <laughs> card game. Yeah, but it's kind of um, it's a little bit like what the what, you know? Right. Almost, almost. Well, it's as non sequitur almost in a way as the the dog did it. I don't know. It would have been funnier if the. Uh... You know, the hand would have uh, given him the finger. That <laughs> <laughs> would have been entertaining. You could have had a whole a whole bit, just like out of uh, the Adams family. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just crawling around. Could have, could have, could have, Jordy could have just, uh, you know, come back to his quarters and the hand could have been there playing fetch with the dog. Yeah. <laughs> Like a tag team to take him out, you know. He got the goo and the hand coming around his neck, and yeah. So, Brian, I have a question for you. So, I mean, because you were in, you spend a little bit of time in the military, so they had these people on this little subspace station for nine months. I mean, would they? I mean, I don't know how familiar you are with this. Would they like actually send somebody to a remote areas basically by themselves for that long, or just seem kind of like? A long time to be by yourself on a I'm little. I'm sure they wouldn't do something like that without some serious levels of um, um, psychological uh, analysis and preparation. You know, like somebody that's seen um, a little bit passive aggressive, like Aquiel, for example. You know, there's no way she would get into certain positions, including that one. I, I find that hard to believe. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about the guy. Maybe a holodeck. Yeah. That would be like, I don't know, posting Barkley for customer service. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> well, so yeah, I think I'm, I'm agreeing with, with you guys that, I mean, in a way it was because I remembered as being terrible and it starts off and I'm like, oh, I'm kind of into this. And I, rem- I remembered that it was the dog. Uh, <laughs> But it's hard to fathom just how crappy that is until it happens again. I don't know. I got. A, I, I had a chuckle with um, 
it seems like the first few scenes, every time the dog is on screen, Jordy calls it something different. Well, yeah. It's like pooch, pup, girl. It's like he's trying to come up with different names every time. Well, they didn't come up with the best names for animal. What is um, Data's cat's name? Spot. All right. You know, well, at, at one point in this story, it was going to be Aquiel was going to be the killer. And um, I think the dog was going to end up with Jordy or something. <laughs> um, I don't know. Do you think it would have been a better episode if she actually ended up being the, the killer? You know, it, it, it would fundamentally change what the episode is trying to do. It would, it would then become, you know, Jordy's... Uh, about Jordy's pain and Jordy's inability to accept, you know, the truth about her, that sort of thing, that would make it more interesting from the point of view of being, you know, bringing a new facet to one of our characters and showing a weak possible weakness or whatever. Well, gross, uh, because the end just seems kind of flat, you know, he's like, you know, he's trying to get her to come on the ship, and she's like, oh, no, I'm not running on my own. So, I mean, their, their relationship's over with there. There's not, this doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. So they don't do anything with it anyway. Even after they do have little mind intimacies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't quite understand why she would turn down his offer unless she just doesn't. I don't know. I don't know. This it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah, it was just kind of the ending. Was I mean, you know, you got the little the pooch, obviously, and then you know you have him kind of getting shot down there at the end. It's kind of got a a downer kind of ending. Okay, so uh, what's this episode about? Um, I kind of had a hard time coming up with um, what this episode was about. Obviously, um, you can kind of look at strange relationships. You know, Jordy's um, relationship with the dog. Yeah, mm-hmm. the dog and the the weird. Um, I was wondering if that little statuey thingy that's used for mind mating. Never mind. I'm just going to talk about the dog again. <laughs> This is a family podcast. <laughs> Maura, I can see you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it definitely had a much different reaction than Sylvester Stallone. It reminded me of the Sylvester Stallone movie. What was it? Uh, Demolition Man. When he when they had their, their mind thing with them. Mm. In that movie. Oh, you mean fluid exchange? Ew. <laughs> with Sandra Bullock. Mm-hmm. Jordy definitely took a lot better than Stallone. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you could have something like the the notion that just things aren't what they seem. I don't know. It's lame. I mean, the episode's lame. So I mean, I, I don't have a really good answer for what it's about either. So first half of the episode exactly the same. What could have been fundamentally different in the last half that would have made it? Is it what we were just talking about a minute ago? Is like don't make it about the mystery. Make it about our character. It's you know I don't know. What is there anything? At what point do you think they went wrong, or is the whole thing messed up? Uh, I mean, yeah, I think I think you know, yes, it would have been a very different kind of thing if she was the killer or something. But if we would have seen some kind of um, you know uh, change in Jordy's character or something interesting in that, you know, you fall for somebody and then you struggle with having to you know, deal with the fact that you're, you know, you're falling in love with someone who's, who's just 
that you have to turn in or that is turns out their values are totally against your own. I mean, that would have been interesting. I don't know, something like that. But it just that all kind of just went away and then it got convoluted in the dog thing, you know. So and Yeah, there was the a dog. And then, like I said, there was no loss for Jordy when she said she wasn't going to come aboard the ship. Yeah, so, it's like, you know, oh, well, they, yeah. It seems more like a casual relationship than a... Maybe like she a was just upset with him for shooting, shooting her dog turd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to Six Degrees for Aquiel. Adam, you going first or second? Um, I'll go first. Wayne Grace plays the Klingon governor, Torak, the Klingon that prefers to work with Picard than, rather than Galron. In DS9's sixth season, he played a Cardassian in the episode Wrongs, Darker Than Death or Night. In this episode, Kira investigates the possibility that her mother had a relationship with Dukat. How does she travel through time to do so? She uses the Orb of Time. That is correct. She uses the Orb of Time. Steve, in Enterprise's fourth season in the episode Divergence, Grace plays another Klingon, this time named Krell. Krell participates in the kidnapping of a member of the Enterprise's crew who gets kidnapped. Hmm. I th- this was one of those, I think it was a two-parter that maybe wasn't called a two-parter or something. Mm. But I, it was more than one episode. Right, right. Uh, was it uh, Paul? No. Mr. Caesar? Um, Archer? No, it was Fox. They needed him to do some medical investigation. Moving on. Uh, uh, yes. Face of the Enemy, Season 6, Episode 14, Production Number 240, Original Air Date, February 8, 1993, Directed by Gabriel Beaumont, Story by Rene Echeverria, Teleplay by Naren Shankar, Music Composed by Don Davis, Guest Cast Includes Scott McDonald as Nevek, Carolyn Seymour as Toreth, Barry Lynch as Stefan DeSev, Robert Sandine as Romulan pilot, Dennis Cockerham as Corvalin freighter captain, and Pamela Winslow as McKnight. Troy suddenly awakens from a restless sleep to discover that she has somehow been transformed to look like a Romulan officer. Learning that she has also been transported aboard one of their warbirds, she is told by Nevek, the vessel's Romulan subcommander, that if she hopes to return to the Enterprise alive, she must pretend to be Major Rakal of the Tarshial Imperial Intelligence. Counselor. We're not playing it your way anymore, Nevek. I've been kidnapped, surgically altered, put in danger. I've gone along with all your plans. Now you are going to listen to me. You find a way to let the Enterprise track us, or I will go to Toreth and tell her I've discovered you're a traitor. You guys realize when you're taking notes, if you abbreviate Romulan Commander, it comes out to Romcom. Mm. <laughs> yes, <laughs> naturally. Yeah, another very different episode. Had they acknowledged that? <laughs> uh, face of the enemy. Steve, kick us off. Face of the enemy. Um, I, I've always enjoyed this episode. I think it's very memorable. Um, I really enjoy, uh, Troy and, uh, Captain or Commander Toreth. Um, they're sparring. I think that's the best part of it. I think it's interesting and it's, and you get a, a whole lot of, um, time not on the Enterprise, so it's almost like a day in the life of a Romulan ship thing. There's mm-hmm. the Spock reference, so you have a little bit of the uh, nerdy canon stuff that we all like, and uh, the political intrigue. Um, 
so yeah, there's a there's a lot to like here. I've always enjoyed this episode. I think I learned that you never go on vacation because you'll be kidnapped by Romulans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We saw that repeatedly on DS9 too, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It happened, it happened to Jordy once as well. Oh, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so much of this episode. It's good uh, because we've got good performances. Mm-hmm. I think that the the one little story nugget that makes it so good for me is this in, this this like internal strife with the Romulans. Had, had we've heard the name Tal Shiar before, or is this the first time? I'm not sure. This might be the yeah. first time. I was I couldn't confirm that, but I I think this might be the first time they specific, they brought up the Tal Shiar. Um, And, and this sense of, you know, obviously the Romulan commander, Tareth? Tareth. 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 You know, she has something against them, the Tal Shiar, because they took her father away. You know, she she thinks they're paranoid and militaristic. and um, <coughs> so, so there's that, and, and we almost sympathize with her. We mm-hmm. do, really. Uh, at the same time, we've got the third group of Romulans, you know, the, the resistance that we you know we've got at least two members of that group um, on board. The one that's directly helping Troy as well as I think somebody in engineering must have been feeling the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's all these these little political things going on just within the ship. Um, and at the same time, of course, Troy, <laughs> if anything, would have sympathies like the Romulan commander, but to the extreme, uh, is having to play this just horrible person, this evil Tal Shiar member, you know, and she gets there quickly. Heck, yeah. by the end of the episode, she's threatening to kill not just everybody on board, but all their families, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so that's pretty dark, um, even if she doesn't mean it. Uh, I, I like the first seat, that's it's not really a complaint, but you know, I, mean, I like in the in the first scene where she has to come out there. You know, of course, it's got a great teaser, all time awesome teaser mm-hmm. for, her to, for her to wake up like that. Um, that's a run. Um, but you know, then she quickly ends up on the bridge and she's talking to the commander, and she does start off pretty um, tepid, mm-hmm. but still being authoritative. Um, maybe she gets to super confident a hair too fast for me but you know you do see that change going on and that's in the always unappreciated um series's performance Mm -hmm. um but i I like that i like that whole interplay there um of course that that dinner scene they all have is is really good Mm -hmm. i like the uh, you know when she just she just picks up food and uh she had a Shit and I come back. <laughs> it's like she just grabs something and it's like, I don't want to eat your nasty whatever it's called. <laughs> I've had better on or smelled better on a prison ship or something. <laughs> no, but I agree with you, Brian. I mean, it's a, it's kind of interesting. You know, we've seen these kind of episodes with um, Klingons and um, before, um, where you kind of get the 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 day in the life of um, of what a, what a Romulan ship is. It's it's not a whole lot different than any other. Um, starship that we've seen in the Star Trek universe, but it's kind of nice to see the intrigue and the differences with Romulans because, you know, 
except for you know the the Spock stuff and you know obviously this. I mean, most Romulans are pretty much the same way, so we don't get like um any any depth in their society and characters. So it was nice to kind of see this. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that um, the only time people like test people's identity is when they actually aren't the people? You ever you notice like no one's just randomly on the Enterprise bridge and starts asking personal <laughs> questions of another crew member just to just to check if they're really who they are? But anytime somebody's playing somebody else, they decide I'm going to ask some questions and see if they. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're talking about the you know the academy or whatever. Yeah, these thinking? kind of things like mm-hmm. in the dinner scene and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I wasn't blown away. Like, there, there are a couple of things I don't care for. You know, I, if this is maybe the most we've seen of a Romulan, the interior of a Romulan ship in a while. Um, I didn't think it was terribly interesting, you know, in design and stuff like that. Um, but it's just a, it's a, it's a testament to a solid story and good performance that, you know, ultimately I don't really care. Yeah. Heck, the station in Aquiel was probably was more interesting than this ship. At least the station, you know, there was like two levels and it was kind of visually interesting in a way that this, the interior of this ship wasn't. Um, I mean, it had a different color palette, I guess, than the Enterprise, but it was it was ultimately kind of boring to look at. But I would watch this episode ten times before I would probably watch Aquiel again. Mm-hmm. I like the different um, the different views of the actually the Roman, Romulan war bird from the outside. You know, they did the different angles, kind of how they do with the Enterprise when they come back from commercial break or something. So you get to see different angles of a war bird. Mm-hmm. I found that to be interesting. Yeah, there's that segment where she wants to be parked right underneath the. <laughs> the main saucer section. The Enterprise, yeah, I don't uh, know if I quite agreed with Picard's like. Like I wonder if Picard would have either seen through it whenever she was playing chicken with him, mm-hmm. or more likely, whenever he said, you know, follow that ship. I would think he would say, but don't make it obvious that we're following that ship, or they're going to realize we can detect them and they won't go where they're going, and that's what we want to know, you know. Yeah. But eh, yeah, that's fine. Again, the, that's what Hitchcock called refrigerator logic. Because I'm not thinking it when I'm watching the thing. It's not until I, you know, later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I did enjoy the scene with Picard and the um, defector in his ready room. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was one of the better scenes. You know, I, I like that. That I mean, you know, anytime you get it's Picard one on one with somebody, it's usually a pretty good scene in that ready room. I mean, you know, we've talked probably about a hundred different memorable scenes that have gone on in that writing room, but I thought that was an actually a strong scene. I liked the um, the actor who was playing that character. It was um, a believable response to yeah. what he believed is uh, in his youth and what he believes now. So I like that scene as well. I like that scene in his in his quarters. Um, I don't know if you watched the, there's a deleted scene on the Blu-ray, just a couple more, just mm-hmm. a few more seconds where the scene would have started with him trying to order like coffee, but he can't remember the English word, he keeps saying it, and you know, Romulan, the computer doesn't understand, or either that or the computer just doesn't have whatever Romulan beverage he's ordering. But it was a nice little beat there just to show about this difficulty of his kind of getting back. 
Um, but actually, it, this is the kind of little nerdy. You talk about I used to be in the military. Uh, this is the kind of little nerdy thing that I really like, really enjoyed every time they did it. I like that this guy was, you know, he was an ensign in Starfleet 20 years ago, and he defected. And now here he is back, and they've, and you know they've they immediately arrest him. He's helping him, but what do they call him? Ensign. Mm-hmm. You know, and every time they still call him ensign, and that's exactly how it would be, you know, now. Um, I mean that that's a little bitty little bitty thing, but I love I love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know why, but I love that. Uh, what were you gonna say? Oh, I kind of like I said, I did kind of like that story. I mean, you could almost do a whole episode about a about a guy. I mean, I think they have done that with somebody defecting, but um, yeah, I I, I don't know why it's. I know it's a small part of this episode, and really, I mean, this is a Troy episode, and and she deserves it because she does a very good job. But kind of, I mean, you could kind of call that a B story in this episode, but it it very much fits with what what's going on. But like I said, I I, I like that intrigue, you know, that that side of it as well. Well, we get that we get like a cool moment on the Romulan bridge when they see the Enterprise mm-hmm. on the view screen. It's a it's a brief thing, but but I really had this sense of, you know, we've spent most of this episode with the Romulans on the Romulan vessel, and I see the Enterprise out there on their view screen. It's not an exterior shot where you see the bird of prey cloaked or not, and the Enterprise coming forward. It's from inside the bridge. You see the Enterprise D on the view screen, and there was this briefly, but there was this real sense of point of view of I'm on a Romulan ship and this is what it's like as a Romulan you know and that was it was a little but it was cool um, and then of course we get the moment of the uh, next uh, the, the Enterprise crew seeing her as a Romulan it's all, it's kind of a stretch though that that they don't have any kind of reaction um, <laughs> yeah yeah they just kind of go with it right away. Yeah. What you doing there? At least there should be like a beat of hello. <laughs> yeah. Like, at least a double take or you know. Yeah. You know. Um, but yeah. So this is. I think about this episode, and it's one of those ones that I think I give it a little bit more credit, just as kind of a precursor, you know, as a precursor of. Romulan political intrigue episodes. You know, we're going to get the best stuff on um, DS9. We, you know, mm-hmm. so what's the episode we always loved so much on DS9? Um, mm. The one where Cisco kind of goes to the dark side to get them in the war. Mm. Pale Moonlight. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, that's the kind of stuff we're. And then there's there's some Section 31 stuff with Bashir in the Romulan political system, and um, so they're going to take it to an even greater more interesting level there but this is the kind of thing that really starts it yeah um i i don't know that i could mention an episode a romulan episode of next gen that i like more than in a way you know even unification this this was more fun for me i think um in a way in a way more interesting i know that's that's probably pushing it but I give this episode a lot of credit for Romulan uh, ways of interacting, Romulan social culture, which is funny since it's on a ship as opposed to, you know, a little cafe having soup. But I don't know. Uh, what else? Uh, oh, uh, you know, 
the whole bit about her having the surgery and waking up this way, you remember, of course, DS9 did a similar thing with Kira waking up as a Cardassian. There's another example where it's, it's, it's even better because it's taken to this amazing degree specifically because Kira has this history with Cardassia, mm-hmm. you know, and with their occupation of Bajor and fighting them and truly hating them in a way that Troy certainly would not feel about Romulans. Um, but again, this episode did it first, and this episode influences those future things, so I give it a lot of credit. Is it about anything? Well, I mean, I think there's a lot of um, uh, for the greater good kind of stuff going on. I mean, on one hand, you have the 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 rebels or the uh, underground or whatever, and they're willing to give their lives, and some of them do give their lives so that these people can defect and and promote the cause. You also have kind of the dark side of this notion where you have the like these the Tal Shiar and so forth who, you know use fear and intimidation to in in the name of doing some being the greater good of the state or whatever that kind of thing so i mean it's kind of like two sides of this idea of sa- sacrifice and giving up freedom or personal liberties to advance a greater good you wake up a romulan automatically become homicidal <laughs> <laughs> to survive um yeah i would agree with steve there's a lot of intrigue you know it's kind of like um you know what are you fight you fighting for a cause um fighting for the greater good um i know in the back um you know he he did a lot of awful things in this episode i think was he responsible for the uh, original tal shiar's death or or no i can't remember they implied that yeah and then you know obviously he he killed everybody aboard that the freighter but mm-hmm. you know they kind of made those guys out to be criminals anyway but still i mean so um his commitment level i mean you know it's a fine line um you know fighting for a cause um and you know obviously we can all sympathize with him and and their cause because we feel like it's a just cause it's about the freedom of the romulan people and that kind of thing but that kind of behavior can be easily used to um uh you know uh, repress people so um it's like, how far do you take things? So, an, an episode that uh, we all agree holds up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, well, I guess, and you know, the part, of the second part of the episode, it's like um, remembering, um, you know, coming, coming home. You know, we had that ensign who was coming home, and you know, like you could say some of that was part of it too. I don't know. Well, like you guys were saying that about him talking about. Uh, the way he disagrees as an older, he's a more mature person, the way he disagrees with the the almost black and white assessment of... Of, of the Romulan culture. Yeah. Um, and he sees it as much more nuanced now. What do you think they did with him? What would they have done with him? Because he got court-martialed, probably went to jail. But Tom but, Paris... But for how long? I mean, for the rest of his life? Well, then, I mean, if that... If that's what it would have been, he would have assumed that would happen, and then why would he come back? I don't know. Yeah, you think he'd get some leniency for helping out on this thing they did? Maybe he's willing to give them more vital Romulan intel or something to lessen his sentence or something. Mm-hmm. And obviously, he was kind of working on the underground too because he knew these people that were involved with Spock. So, mm-hmm. 
Hmm. All right. Yeah, it was funny. You know, I too play select episodes for my spouse. I try to limit it to just one. So for this time, it was a given that it was going to be tapestry. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's at least in everybody's top ten for next gen usually. Um, and it would be for me too, near the bottom maybe, but it would be. But in a way, in a way, I I enjoyed watching Face of the Enemy. You know, as much or more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, tapestry is obviously more important for. The lore of Star Trek and the character of Picard, yeah. Um, But this is a very underrated episode. Yeah, yeah, this episode definitely, I think, um, moves Troy's character forward. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I wanted to mention something she said in an interview. Gosh, I don't remember where the interview was, but it's one of the things I read studying up for this episode. You know, because it was in a recent episode, I think, Chain of Command, where she had to put on a uniform uniform, right? Mm -hmm. And her, her opinion is that once she put on a uniform uniform and she wasn't showing cleavage anymore, uh, then she got to have brains again. Because in Hollywood, you either have cleavage or brains. You can't <laughs> have both. So once she got rid of the other uniform and got her brains back, then they started giving her episodes like Face of the Enemy. <laughs> yeah, Interesting. Yeah. And I think there's probably something to what she said. I don't think Hollywood's changed much in 25 years. No, no. Not at all. All right, let's move on to six degrees for Face of the Enemy. I believe the score is Adam has one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve, mm-hmm. would you like to go first or second? I'll go first. Robertson Dean plays the Romulan pilot that happily dispatches the traitor Nevek with his disruptor near the end of the episode. In the feature film Star Trek Nemesis, he played a Riemann officer aboard what vessel? I am asking you the name of Shinzon's ship. Mm. Okay. Um. I don't recall. Mr. Caesar? I have no idea. I'll just be taking a shot in the dark. The Scimitar. Scimitar. Mm. Adam... Scott McDonald plays sub-commander Nevek, the Romulan dissident who cares enough about Troy to get her plastic surgery. <laughs> hey, I got a laugh out of that. <laughs> In the sixth season episode of DS9. Uh, no, excuse me. Not the sixth season. In the sixth episode of DS9, first season. Uh, he played a powerful cloaking alien that is being hunted and befriends O'Brien. What was his character's name? Oh, crap. Um, Tomalock? Nope, that would be the uh, Romulan senator from Next oh. Gen. Steve? Tosk. You are right, it was Tosk. For no bonus points, what was the name of the guys that were hunting Tosk? At least according to the action figure that I had. Hunters of Tosk? That's right. <laughs> 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 All right, uh, so one to one, right? Moving on. Yep. Tapestry, Season 6, Episode 15, Production Number 241. Original air date, February 15, 1993. Directed by Les Landau, written by Ronald D. Moore, music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include John Delancey as Q, Ned Vaughn as Corton Zweller, J.C. Brandy as Marta 
Batanides, Clint Carmichael as Nausicaan, Ray Norma as Penny Maroc, Clive Church as Maurice Picard, Marcus Nash as Young Picard, and Majel Barrett as Computer Voice. Gravely injured in an attack, Picard slips into a white, seamless limbo while Beverly struggles to save his life. There he encounters Q, who informs Picard that he is dead, and this is the afterlife, and he will spend eternity with him. Picard refuses to believe this, but Q is determined to prove otherwise. He produces the artificial heart that failed Picard and caused his death, which, which triggers Picard's sense of regret. With Q's urging, Picard admits that given the opportunity to live life over, he would do things differently. There are many parts of my youth that I'm not proud of. There were loose threads, untidy parts of me that I would like to remove. But when I pulled on one of those threads, it unraveled the tapestry of my life. Mr. Caesar, did you kick us off on tapestry? Um, this is probably my second favorite Q episode, and um, I love Q. I mean, besides, I mean, I think it goes um, all good things, and then this, and then you know, other uh, very other Q episode after, afterwards. Um, I love that they take a um, second season storyline. I believe it was second season where we learned about Picard's heart, right? Yeah. And um, and they use this in all the way into the sixth season. And um, I've talked about this before, and we've talked about it. How um, Q's role kind of changed um, somewhere in the third or fourth season from being an antagonist of the whole crew to where he is more um, focused on Picard. Um, you know, all you know. Every the last two or three times that we've seen Q, um, his focus has been strictly on Picard, and um, that's what that's how it'll be. Um, in the last episode, I believe we see him in um, and and this one, and I think this is the first episode where we see Q really has the upper hand on Picard. I mean, Picard usually can go toe to toe with him, but in this episode, it's Q who who is actually. Not only on moral high ground over Picard, but just intellectually and everything, he is—he's teaching Picard, and um, that's what I kind of enjoy about this episode. And I enjoy that about the Q character, where they, where they took him from where we saw him, you know, in the first couple seasons, where he's just kind of this, the villainous character that just keeps keeps showing up. You see him actually having a purpose in moving um, the um, Captain Picard character forward. Yeah, he really. He really cares about Picard in a way. You know, like, I, I don't know. It's it's they they do have this connection, and and you know he's going to have um, built some good connections maybe with Janeway, etc. In, in Voyager, but really it's Picard and Q that defines Q more than anything. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And yeah, yeah, this is this is the one episode where it's well, I guess all all good things as well, um, but it's it's pretty. It's it's dang near altruistic, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I really enjoy this, and that's what I that's what I like too is their relationship, and it's and it's the most obvious example, if not the only example, where it's it's flat out Q is doing something for Picard. He's like you said, it's an altruistic uh, standpoint. He's he's doing him a favor. He's showing him something, and you you have to wonder, you have to imagine the backstory, like what's happening. You know, it's like Q becomes aware that. Oh, Picard just <laughs> got got killed or whatever. This would be a good opportunity. To, you know, I like to imagine the you know what led up to this, but but yeah, it's just uh, uh, 
uh, it's just a, it's a great story and and then of course the all this background information we get and then the advancement of Picard's character through this it, it's just it's just a great episode I I love the line that you know when they're on that like that white seamless thing and, and Q just you know Picard's like I'm dead and he's like you humans they think of death and he's just basically said I could give you life take it away give it back and then without a <laughs> without a thought you know <laughs> so you have the really the the egotistical cue um, in this in this episode, but it's it's different from. I take it you guys never thought for a moment that this wasn't really cue, and it was just in Picard's head somehow or something like that. I mean, I've, I'm agreeing with that. I've I've always just felt like, of course, this is really cue, and cue did this. But I've heard the argument that it what could, maybe it wasn't that. Oh, uh, maybe. So maybe. Sorry, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, maybe if they hadn't set this up, but there's been a couple of episodes prior to this where we see the transformation of Q going from just, you know, this antagonist menace to the Enterprise to somebody that's actually there to further, I mean, and in, in to further Picard's growth. So I would, I would reject that argument that it's all in his head. I mean, anything's possible, but you can kind of have such arguments about anything, really. I mean, you can yeah. say that anything's a dream or an imagination half the time. It's it's not nearly as interesting if you imagine it in this case. So, I mean, you know. Well, the one thing I wanted to mention, too, was, uh, you know, Ron Moore, of course, wrote this one, and, and he talked about it in the commentary. I've, I've read interviews over the years where he's talked about it. This This idea that what fascinated him was how different Card and Kirk are, mm-hmm. you know, in that Kirk, Kirk we know was super, studi- you know, studious and, you know, what did they call him in the original series? Uh, walking pilot books or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then he went off to become the Hellraiser and Womanizer as captain. And Picard did it in the opposite order, you know, he started off as the, the Womanizer and the Hellraiser. And then after this event in his youth, he becomes. You know the the calm, cool, collected, uh, analyzing captain that we know. You know, mm-hmm. um, the diplomat. Yeah, and that is very interesting. And they're both obviously incredibly successful captains of the Enterprise. Um, but but in a way that you know it kind of validates both. I think. Um, but the, what's this is an episode that to me is so good because, you know, the point of our show is, you know, uh, what's it about? Does it have, are they trying to ask some meaningful questions? When they do, it not only provides more and more interesting discussion on our part, but it's generally an episode that holds up. You know, I think the kind of questions this episode is asking, and uh, you know, these are all the things that um, that that are going to be with us forever as humans like mm-hmm. really questions about the human condition and about um, learning from our mistakes and the mistakes in, have value because we learn from them you know um, and to me the one thing I, I think I, I thought about watching this time that I don't remember thinking about before and again this is the kind of thing where you know maybe because I'm a little bit older and I've got a little bit more life experience I watch these things a little bit differently you know, is seeing this idea of um, fear holding you back, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, and and successful people are the ones that 
beat the fear of failure. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the people that don't play it safe. Uh, I hadn't really thought about that so specifically before watching this episode. Obviously, it was there, but you know, and there, there's just so many things that talks about regret, um, the way our choices and our experiences define us on the more obvious level it has the whole it's a wonderful life bit you know of um, if you could make these changes it probably wouldn't be <laughs> you know um, positive for you well it 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 wouldn't be you anymore mm-hmm. right and 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 given that fact either you like who you are or you don't mm-hmm. you know and if you do then you have to have value because these things made you who you are and if you know, and if you don't, then it's that's a different kind of question. But it's a question that, you know, well, then do what you need to do to like well, yourself, right? You know, and I think you know, obviously, you know, we'll talk. You know, Q, Picard says this. He did him a favor. Um, you know, we've we've kind of seen the the Picard that was kind of reserved, and you know, he's talked about. You know, we've seen him. You know, it's hard to explain. You know, the Picard character throughout the years, he's been reserved, and you can kind of tell that he's had these kind of these regrets. He obviously talked about it when he when we first heard about the story with Wesley Crusher. He talked about how he regretted this incident, and um, there have been other times where he, you can tell that he's regretted this all the way. I don't know if it was intentional, but they've given him a reserved feeling, and um, this opens him up to like well. That this had to happen, so you become can become the man you are today, and that's kind of the gift that Q gave him. and And I think moving forward, especially in the seasons to come and in the movies, we see a more opened up and more happy Picard. In the movies, especially, he's a little bit more looser and carefree. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm not trying to jump into what it's about. That's but that's what I was kind of talking about there. And I'm just, I'm just saying that like this episode is, it's one of those ones where it kind of is what it's about, you know, Mm -hmm. are are there, are there more aspects there? What are the kind of things, you know, questions that it make you guys think about? Well, I think, I mean, not only questions, but it's as always, Patrick Stewart, his performance is, is so great. You know, I mean, he, when he's in the blue uniform, (laughs) you know, late in that episode in that alternate, uh, present or whatever he he plays it differently you know i mean he's yeah. like startled he's in that role but it also seems like he's kind of become that future version of himself that you know was more reserved and didn't take the chances and wasn't himself and he, and he totally just plays the character just subtly different mm-hmm. um he uses the term dreary to describe him mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and you feel his pain even for mm-hmm. being in that situation and that that kind of Finality, like okay, this is my life moving forward. I mean, you know, you can see the the pain and the fear in him, you know, and, and when, especially when he's in the the turbo lift and he's just you know cursing Q basically for doing this to him. Yeah, Q makes him wait that extra beat so he doesn't know if he's going <laughs> to go back or not. Well, it's interesting that of course he makes the decision. He says, "And I'd rather die on that table." Mm-hmm. And be with you then, forever. Then, yeah, then, then then live longer as this dreary man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's so many levels of this episode that I love. I mean, the the scenes where he's you know back you know with his old classmates, um, they're just uncomfortably awkward, and I think they were meant to be that way. You know, you see Ricard, Ricard really kind of totally acting out of character for for him. You know, he's trying to like stop from getting stabbed. You know, he's um basically ruining his friendships. Um, so I that part of the episode to me it, it was kind of awkward, but it sets up the you know. The later half of the episode, but obviously you get some you get some funny scenes. You know, he's waking up and Q is playing with his ear. So um, yeah, <laughs> actually another line, the, the Q line that was the funniest for me is uh, I think they're in the, the bar or something. He says the card's telling him something about it, what had happened, and he says it's a beautiful story. It gets you right here. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me laugh out loud every time. <laughs> But actually, you know, the best scenes and that stuff is great, and it's great on so many fun levels. It's 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 good writing. It's it's great character stuff. It's even fun on the kind of nerdy Star Trek stuff that we talk about. We like like the uniforms. You know, mm-hmm. they're a variation on the 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 uh, classic movies. You know, uniforms, which makes sense given the year and stuff. And, and anyway, you know, there's just so many fun things like that. Um, but but. Actually, my favorite scenes are all the whiteout scenes, you know, all the um, uh, Q is God scenes. That scene, one of the last ones where he where he tells Picard, you know, this Picard uh, never had that brush with death that allowed him to realize how precious each moment is. He just played it safe, you know, and he has that. That's it's, a, it's really well written, you know, it's a, and it's really well performed. Um, and it's it's just one of those things where you're like, I'm watching this scene and I am really enjoying it, and there's literally nothing else in the scene, <laughs> but <laughs> Picard and Q, and you know these guys, these two guys. There's nothing else there. It's just a, it's all white, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, to me, it's, and, and I'm riveted because they're it's good writing and they're great actors. Well, to me, it's the first time that you see Q. To me, it's the first time you see Q as an actual superior being to mm. Picard or anybody else. Not only you know in his powers, but like I said earlier on, just morally, he's telling, you know, he's teaching Picard about life right there. He's giving him wisdom, and um, yeah, you don't really see that from from Q. It's one of those things that really makes you like, God, I don't get Q sometimes. You know, like, what is his motivation for this action? It's it's his fascination with Picard? Is that it? I don't... I, I guess. You know, for him, Picard is, has always been, like, the quintessential example of human uh, being, of, of humanity, you know? I mean, he, he puts Picard in, on trial in place of the human race, um, but I don't quite understand. It's just, it's just, it's one of those things you're like, uh, what is his motivation? His fascination with him. Yeah. But it's, it makes good TV, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And John DeLance is great as the character. So yeah, he is. He's very good. Um, I guess we've talked a lot about what it's about. Jeez. Do you know that the girl that played, what's her name? Uh, his friend, the female that he ended up sleeping with. Oh, J.C. Brandy is the actress, Marta oh. Matanides. Yeah, she was like, as we record this, I think she's 
either 37 or 38 years old. She was like 17 when she really? had that. Really? Wow. Wow. Patrick Stewart. I'm not even sure that's legal, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> She's English. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah, she is, actually. Um, but, God, I did not realize she was that young. Until yeah, research this wow, she's younger than us. <laughs> you said she, what, she's 37 now? She's, she's, I looked it up. She was born one month before I was. She was born in November of 75. Wow. You're still yeah. the youngest, Brian. Barely. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. But yeah, it's just, I, I'll say this, my one critique. This episode was just the time, if, if before I left it 100%, I think this time it was like 98. You know, it was just the tiniest bit. Um, I felt the time on it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's some secret. Originally, this was, the backstory of this was that it was, instead of It's a Wonderful Life, it was a little bit more of like the Christmas Carol thing, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, Patrick Stewart had been doing that one-man show at the time, and, and, and it had like Q taking him to different moments in his life. One of those was the stabbing, another was something on this happened on the Stargazer, and then there was another time or whatever. And they ended up focusing in on this one event. And I think that that was the right move and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, but there are a couple of times where it feels like... Um, Maybe a scene wasn't needed, or a scene that went on too long, and they took their a little bit too much time. It's just some very minor pacing things. But it, but this is, and I and I never thought that before. So maybe that means at this rate, in fifty years, you know, I'll 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 like the one where it's the dog better. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt that very much. Not. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, this is a fantastic episode. I'd still put it in my. I'm sure it's still in my top ten. It's just probably like number ten. Um, I did not ask it in the trivia, but this is the only one. This is the only episode besides the first or last episode of Next Gen. The Q is in where the title does not have his name in it. Hmm. You know, and I think that's telling because this is the time. This is the this is the Picard episode that has Q. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and we learn so much about Picard. We learn so much about who he is, how he became that way. And, you know, so much of that is like, you know, his, his values, these experiences and choices that, that determined his character and the captain that he would become, you know, it's really fascinating. And it's amazing. You know, when you think about six years into this show and then you tell this, this backstory story that you hinted at back in the second season. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, that does nothing but hold up and make sense with the six years prior of show that would have, of course, chronologically taken place many years after this. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's incredible. It's a great show, and it looked good in high def. By the way, I haven't said that in a while. It still does. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's, um, so Q's he only has one more episode left, pretty much, right? Or yeah. There... Yeah, not going to see him again until all good things. Uh. All right, I think we've covered it. Wouldn't you guys feel good about this one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on to... Six Degrees for Tapestry. Boy, remind me of the score. I think you each have one, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, Adam, are you going first or second? Um, I'll go second. Okay, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit dangerously. Yeah, Clint Car- Steve Clint Carmichael plays the Nausicaan that likes to say human and 
Dom Jot. Hmm. He says them repeatedly. In Voyager's fourth season in the episode Prey, he plays a Herogen hunter in search of a certain species. What was this species' numerical designation? What was the species he was looking for? His numerical designation. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um. Jeez. I'll give you one hint. It's four numbers. Yeah. Probably, if I, you know, I'm gonna blur out my pin number or something from here instead. Of, <laughs> it's gonna be something familiar. Last of your social. Yeah. <laughs> um. I. Our international listeners are not going to get that joke. <laughs> um, 8472. You got it. 8472. Yeah. Wow. All right, Adam, if you want to tie it up for the day, you got to get this one. Coincidentally, his PIN number. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Picard originally relayed the story of his stabbing in the season two episode, Samaritan Snare. Who did he tell the story to at that time? Wesley Crusher. You are right. You guys tied for the day. That's rare. Yay. All right. I think I got the easier of the two questions there. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, we originally planned to have a guest on today, uh, but she had a sore throat and couldn't make it, so we're going to try to get her back on in the future. Um, but we wish her well. Um, not really any news to talk about. I got my copy of Star Trek The Compendium. I hate the case it comes in, but uh, it sure is great to have Into Darkness with that extra space on the from the IMAX shots. I assume you picked it up, Steve. I will. I have not yet. Though. Yeah, not yet. Um, um, I have some news. I'm going to see the Space Shuttle Enterprise on Friday. Oh, sweet. Wow. Where's that at? It's in New York. I'm going to see my pops. So I, thought go it was, it was a, I, think, I thought that was... Is it on it wasn't, it's on the um, Intrepid aircraft carrier. It was in the Smithsonian, but they... Yeah, that's where the I discovered there. Oh, yeah, okay. the, the Discovery is at the Smithsonian now, and they moved the Enterprise to New York. Here in L.A., we have the... Oh gosh. Atlantis, I think. That's not the one we have. Endeavor? Endeavor. Yeah, we have the Endeavor here. Uh, you it no, because it's down at the Science Museum, and you can go see it, but they're building a big enclosure for it that's going to have oh, all these okay. exhibits and stuff. So right now, if you go, you just look at it sitting there, which would be cool, but... Uh, yeah, I'll, t- I'll tweet out a picture of it. Hopefully, you'll get to see it on Friday, so why they're pending cool. with uh, Yeah, I always remember... I've seen that iconic almost image of the original series actors in the 70s standing in front of it when they rolled it out, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've seen that so many times that I can remember it very well. <sighs> well, this was a fun fun episode to produce today. It's good talking with you guys. Man, I can't believe we're flying through next gen. Jeez. 100 next time. 100 yeah, next. episode 100 next time. I don't think we're going to do anything special. Um, well, Steve had a suggestion, but I don't know if we can say mm-hmm. that on air. Oh, what was? Uh, oh, right. No, no. Yeah, no, Steve suggested that we record episode 100 naked. Uh, to which I responded, "I always record the episodes naked, so for episode 100, I will wear clothing." Steve and I will be then. naked. That's the plan. <laughs> it's a family show, Brian. It's an audio what? podcast. What are you going to do? <laughs> uh, so you know, unless our listeners want us to do something special, we're just going to do our normal. Um, episodic review show so thank you all for spending an hour with us thank you so very much um you know i was going to mention a couple of the 
recent iTunes reviews today, and we're kind of pushing it on time, so I'll save that for the future. But that does remind me um, that if you would like to go to iTunes and leave us a review, even if you just click the little star button, but even better, type a few words. Uh, that's how other people find us. I know it's odd, but that's really the only way people find us. Um, so if you like our show, you don't have to give us any money, but you could spend five minutes and go leave a review about how awesome Adam Caesar or Stephen Ambry is. Or even Brian. Brian. <laughs> um, but, you know, if you have time. Um, you can also uh, follow us on Twitter. That's at Trek Companion. And we have a Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash Trek Companion. I've tried to put up more articles there recently. Um, I know, Caesar, you post on the Facebook page sometimes, don't you? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Um, so those are other ways you can get. Oh, and you can also send us an email. That's trekcompanion at gmail.com. So anyway, thanks again for joining us. And until next time, take it easy. Bye. See you. They found a pasta.